0: guys welcome to another episode of the posting and toasting show i'm drew schwinn's here what up schwinn what up what up what up and on today's podcast we have a very special guest he just recently joined posting and toasting and we are very excited to have him he used to be over at gotham sports doing i would say about 69 different podcasts over there right and he's with us now and we're excited to have him this is andrew claudio what up
1: what up, Drew? What up, Schwinn? I—it's my first podcast in a while, too. You're right, how I went from 69, 70, thousand different podcasts over at Gotham to now my first one in like two months. So I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, how's it feel to be on the other side of things? Where
1: I—well, it's surreal for me in a couple of things. First of all, being a guest on a podcast—it's rare that I've been able to do that because, like you said, I had so many responsibilities at Gotham. But if you told me, like. Three years ago I'd be on Drew Steele's podcast. You'd, I'd be like, What are you talking about? <laughs> so it's actually it's an honor and a privilege, sir. I,
0: I appreciate that. Well, it's not really my podcast. I just kinda like de facto host and I let Schwinn do all the hot takes because that's how that's how we make the big bucks over at S B
2: Nation.
1: Absolutely. All those uh all those big checks. I've been counting them. It's Schwinn, been wonderful. Schwinn, long time no speak, buddy.
2: Yeah, it's been a minute. It's been a, been a hot minute.
1: I will say that it, Schwinn's like, like you said, he's the perfect guy to go to for what Everything. I want to say. I know Schwinn will have no problem saying when we, we as Knicks fans united during the summer against the national media, the fake news media that was spinning the Knicks offseason as a complete failure. It was just appropriate to bring Schwinn on my old pod and we just, yeah. he, he, ripped into the ringer and it was it was good
2: times. So no, it was maybe maybe they baked in Fizz being a fucking idiot very well into their calculations. So I mean they <laughs> and could still that. Right. Yeah. yeah,
0: and we are off. So we are recording this directly after the Knicks' embarrassing loss to the Kings. I it was such a waste of time. I could have been doing so many other things on a Sunday night and instead I watched the disaster of a basketball game. I mean the Knicks didn't try, they didn't care. And Fisdale reverted back to his old habits that he did not do in the Celtics game whatsoever.
2: Or and... even against Orlando, really. He yeah. Did briefly at the end of the game, but I mean, it was like, okay, whatever, that's fine. I'll t- yeah, I mean, but... I'd rather do that, I'd rather be in the fucking game, instead of starting off with a lineup that gives you no chance, like, I, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm very... <laughs> that was honestly one of the stupidest fucking coaching... I, I just, I can't imagine... I can't imagine being a head coach, presumably watching the game film from the Boston game. Uh He said against Orlando they had hit their, like, whatever, 300-plus pass, pass target. Limit, yeah. They did that again against Boston. They actually had 22 assists against Boston, so pretty solid number for them. Um I think they had Macri posted something where over their last three games they had actually moved the ball the most – Um, in the entire league over that span, um, and they had also, uh, you know, kind of solidified defensively a bit. And I'm not saying they were like elite, but um, definitely looked competent and engaged and together. And your NBA head coach got all this data, probably watching film, hopefully more than me. Um, and your choice is, let me change the starting lineup, let me therefore then alter all of my rotations, specifically to get Julius Randle going, who has played like fucking ass so far, um, has been dog shit on defense, has some of the shittiest body language you could fucking have on the court right now, um, to get this guy going. So you change the starting lineup, you take out your second year center, who should be your priority uh, to develop, or a priority to develop. Uh, you then start the game by running isolations and post-ups for Mark, Marcus Morris, uh, even though your stated goal is to get Julius Randle going. Then you start doing the same for Randall, even though he's been atrocious in those situations over... I mean, certainly this year and over his entire career, not a strength of his, um, and you are totally missing the forest from the trees in understanding that your entire fucking team needs to be built around RJ Barrett right now, and that, that should really be all that matters, um, so I would say Fizzle coached one of the dumbest fucking games I've ever seen in my life, um. Did we lose because of his choices? I don't know. I really don't give a shit. Um, because the fact that he could have watched that first half of this game and decided to run the same starting lineup out to start the second half, then when they gave up three wide open threes because nobody, because Randall and Morris died on screens, uh, and Portis was nowhere. He called the timeout and did the Fisdale special where he calls a timeout and then leaves the same starting lineup in. Um, so, yeah, I would just say that I think Fisdale went from coaching one of the best games I've seen him coach against Boston, which I complimented him for thoroughly, uh, to coaching just one of the most totally worthless and stupid exercises you could engage in as a professional in an NBA team that is presumably rebuilding around young players.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to phrase a lot of it. I also wanna, I hate the pylon with Fisdale as well, especially when Randall's not playing well. I don't think Fizdale is using Randall properly. Like, you I think- You don't think ca- you
2: should use Randall as LeBron James?
0: I don't <laughs> think so, yeah. I mean, the problem is, is mainly what I have issue with Fisdale is that he's fully capable of understanding and doing certain things because he does run specific plays four guys like it's in his playbook to get guys going off screens and downhill he just doesn't do that with Randall like that's not even in the like game plan whatsoever like not getting him downhill not letting him do quick decisions it's just been isolations and post-ups and it's just not going to work it's not going (laughs) to work long term and it's he's not using them properly they're not using them in pick and rolls they're not doing anything in the Celtics game it was great not great not Celtics game um the the magic game they were finally you know the magic were trapping rj up real high then they're like all right we need to run pick and roll and have randall in a short roll great that's what they should be doing every single oh pretty much like every single possession and the knicks don't do that and it's just genuinely frustrating because not only does randall suck he's put in a position to fail and it's probably the worst combination
2: well, you can like, do. is what is fucking bananas to me is like i don't Okay, you want to experiment. That's fine. Okay, two. so two things. You can experiment with getting Randall going with, with next to Portis, which, I mean, we literally use that lineup all the time. Like, we've used that combination of the four and five, I think, in every single game we've played this year. So, like, you know, it's not like you need to see that f- with the starting lineup to, you know, like, like, you can, you have a data, like, you have a data set on that. You have a sample size on that. You don't need to start them. If you want to see that, if you want to put an emphasis on that, do it with your fucking subs. Do it with your rotations. I don't care. Not starting Mitch is stupid. The second thing is we do things in individual games that work. And then there we don't see them at all in the next game. Like we saw two games ago against Orlando, we saw uh that Randall-Mitch four or five pick and roll. We haven't seen that since in two games. Nope have not once not once have we seen that since in two games um like we only for for some reason we don't remember we should run horns at all until we get down by like 15 and then we start running it Well, so at this point i i have to think that like telling like calling out we're gonna run horns yeah, uh, it's,
0: it's someone on the court other than it, it, it has
2: cause because if 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 it only happens when we're down and then RJ has to like get it going or whatever it is, like that seems like a coaching thing. Um, I just, those are the two things. Like if you can't, I understand it's early in the season. He wants to experiment and that's cool. I'm not expecting, you know, hundred percent consistency night to night. What I am expecting is like, if you're telling me that your priorities are want to move the ball, want to play defense, developing young players, presumably your rookie contract young players like there needs to be some consistency to how you're doing that night tonight and it just changes constantly like i just cannot understand changing what was working in a game against a pretty good boston team this year on the road like i i, I just I i'll never understand why even if randall is struggling it's it, it's on randall then figure it out within the concept of like how that lineup is playing and you know like I, i'm not going to totally i think yeah we can blame some of randall's shit on fizz and how he's using him but like randall's also just doing stupid shit like today he had a spaced possession where he got the ball at, like the you know basically the free throw line area and i think he was on i think Bealito was on him and he just decided to take a pull-up jumper without even like like, it wasn't like he probed and then pulled back and took it. He just, just took a dribble and stepped into it, like, and pulled up and shot it, and it was a brick, obviously. And it's like, I don't, I don't know if that's on Fizz. Like, I guess you can still say Fizz should be, like, you know, making it clear to him that he needs him to, like, attack the rim or whatever, but, um, you know, I also think that Randall just needs to fucking, like, he should see CBL- elite bielitsa and just immediately know that he has to like eat him inside um and then there was also like stupid like you know randall got an early post up in the second half that he just totally airmailed like i I don't know what to do i don't know how i i i have a very tough time saying like it's all on fizz but the fact is that Rand that randall looks so much worse now is that is an indictment on fizz as a coach because this is not a guy that like had some fluky one-off year like He's consistently improved his scoring efficiency, and the last few years has been, I think, sixty true shooting both years. Um, so this is a guy that can like score efficiently if you use him right, and clearly we're not using him right.
0: Yeah, uh, Andrew, want to add some stuff? You've been you've been a little I quiet mean, so far.
1: I'm just listening to to <laughs> go off. It, it, you know, when the guys throwing a perfect game, you don't change the calls. You
2: know, um, that's fair. fair. <laughs> that's fair.
1: Look, I don't know what else i'm supposed to add you guys have said everything especially when it comes to fizz that's been so frustrating i don't understand 90 percent of his rotations this year i don't understand his minute distributions throughout the season i actually don't have a problem with how much he's played rj i think a lot of people got nervous about what happened to kevin knox last year that it might happen to rj i think that more spoke to how out of shape kevin knox was and how he had to get his motor up and i think rj has the motor to do it having said that Why R.J. Barrett was in the game down 30 late in the the fourth quarter, I just didn't understand. There there was actually a part of me that wanted, when he didn't start the fourth quarter in the game with R.J., that wanted the the Kings to go on another run to, like, stretch it to 36. Because then he'd have (laughs) no reason to put R.J. back in. So, like, for his own good, like how the the NFL has a salary cap because owners will do stupid things if they don't have one. Maybe just set some rules in place that if – the lead is up 36 late then we don't play our 19-year-olds when a blowout so um it's it's weird cuz i think our our tone on this pod would have been much different if we recorded after Friday's game because like you said when i actually thought he coached his best game of the season like going with only eight guys and like defensively the, the they switched a ton which you know, the Celtics kind of figured out in the fourth quarter how to get easy buckets. But, um yeah, it's frustrating. I think tonight, though, all around, like, from an effort standpoint, like, how many loose balls did the Kings get to first? How many uh uh either-or plays did the did the Kings go for? Um The Kings, like, they did everything they wanted to do offensively. And, and as a result, that's how you get the final score that you got. Uh, it's just really frustrating. Like, one in six. it. It doesn't feel like it because we didn't have like a blowout fest through the first seven games like we did last year, but one in six is one in six and it's really frustrating.
2: I just gotta say, I think that all that hustle stuff, all of it, um, you know, you, you get what you deserve. And if you play a lineup, like it is really hard to keep hustling and keep your energy up when like, you just know that these guys aren't stupid okay like they know that portis at the five like you that if that lineup's going to be successful it's not going to be because you're getting stops and when nobody is making shots and you are running out a lineup that like you know it, it's just going to suck no matter what it, on defense I, I i i think it's just a natural consequence of that um, yeah I I mm-hmm. and like again I I'm not trying to say that players need to be professional they need to give effort I I agree with all of those things but like there's just the basic fact that like you know it's if if you're not I mean people are going to give up when they just feel like shit's not going to happen for them uh, and I think you saw that in a lot of instances tonight with the second second uh you know second all the hustle plays all the 50-50s all that kind of stuff yeah um and i'm just going to disagree with you on the rj thing because this is what david fisdale's quote is after tonight's game <sighs> did you, you had, from, did you this, watch the post game at all no, did i know? didn't
1: i had, i had muted the game a while ago okay.
0: okay. Well, I put on the – I turned it off, like it took off my headphones and everything, and I saw Fizdale at the stand. So I'm like, oh, what is he going to say about something? So, so I put my headphones back in. He was completely indignant when he was asked about R.J. Barrett's yeah, minutes. So, when, do you have the quotes?
2: This is what he said. Uh, so this is from Mike Vorkanov. Uh He wrote, R.J. Barrett played 41 minutes in Knicks' 113-92 loss after, en- after entering weekend leading NBA in minutes. This is what Fisdale said. He's got the day off tomorrow. We gotta get off this load management crap. But Ooh. Charles Sprewell averaged forty two minutes for a season. This kid's nineteen years old. <laughs> Drop it. I'm sorry, but like if that is genuinely a stance, which I have to believe because
0: Oh, that's his stance. Yeah, he, he was, said it and when he yeah, you did you watch? you didn't watch it, you no, said right? I when no, so he said it with so much, like, vitriol, like, how dare you question yeah. uh, me doing it, this? And it's just like, I'm listening to the context and I'm like, holy shit, like, he's being completely serious and he just doesn't give a shit. And it's,
2: all right. it, he, yeah. he doesn't see if, it. If that's his g- genuine stance, he needs, he should be fired. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, like, that's not, I, I have not called for Fizz to be fired, even though I've wanted to many times. Uh, <laughs> I've given him the benefit of the doubt, but if that is genuinely a stance, he needs to be fired and it needs to happen immediately because that is unacceptable. That is an unacceptable answer. That's a total dereliction of duty. And what that tells me is that Fizz is a guy, and we're seeing this with Randall. I think this is why Randall is struggling so much. He depends on his star players, his leading players, to create offensive advantages on their own and then use that to run whatever his bullshit you know motions and actions are off of that right he needs them to create he doesn't do anything to get them going and that's why he keeps playing rj so many minutes because rj even for a rookie is actually really genuinely very good at just like creating for others and getting stuff done getting stuff on his own and creating for others on his own and like from there things can flow um but yeah he that's i'm sorry i I don't know how i'm gonna be totally honest I have no idea how long I can actually podcast tonight because I'm so fucking pissed. Like just reading how (laughs) absurd. Like I, I can't, I can't, I can't even. Schwinn, those are the best podcasts.
1: Yeah, these are the best ones, though. Yeah.
2: What are you talking about? I, I know. I, I honestly don't even know. Like he should be fired. He, if I read that. Oh, we're there. And I was the general manager. I would fire him. I would gen if I would sit down and be like, "Are you fucking serious about this?" And if he's serious about it, I would. Fired him because that's that's just a joke that is it's like you basically are saying you don't care about science like i don't i don't believe science science is wrong i'm right because i was 19 once and i was playing fucking backup point guard at san diego state against a fucking math teacher shut the fuck up like what the fuck are you talking about right now man what are you talking about right now? Latrell Sprewell averaged 42 minutes per season. Yeah, you know why he was able to do that? Because when Latrell Sprewell played, in when he was a fucking rookie or whatever, whenever he did this 42 minute season, the entire league walked the ball up on every possession and ran, the, and the triangle looked like the most modern offense in the history of basketball. Okay, that's when Latrell Sprewell averaged 42 minutes per season. It wasn't when you got teams sprinting up and down the floor like idiots. Trying to jack up threes, like at every fucking instance. I'm sorry, it's just not the same sport. It's not the same thing. You can't tell me 42 minutes in 1995 or whatever the fuck Latrell Sprewell did this shit um, is in any way relevant to I, I it I don't know how it's in any way relevant to RJ Barrett in the year of our Lord 2019. Like what I. I don't know. I I honestly just have a really tough time reading that and, like, I don't know. I He should be fired. He should be fired. I don't care. I don't even care about the X's and O's shit at, this, at that point because I mean, that's... Maybe he was just experimenting and he's going to realize he's stupid and, like, wake up tomorrow and maybe after 20 games his rotations will be exactly what we all think they should be. Um, I don't know. I don't really care because if it doesn't matter if you're I don't care what your rotations are I don't care how good of an X's and O's coach you are uh if your actual belief is that it doesn't matter that playing a 19 year old who it should be like cherished like what (laughs) RJ Barrett is doing as that young of a player uh like you should be seeing what he's doing one and being like okay now I need to shift my entire like Oh wow, he's so far ahead of schedule. I should shift my thinking and like all of what I'm trying to do should be centered around him, right? That's the first thing you should think, which I don't think Fitzgerald thinks at all because he wants to get fucking Julius Randle going. Um and the second thing you have to think is like, okay, it's not about today. It's not about this year necessarily. It's about managing RJ so that he can be a franchise player for 15 years, 20 years, whatever, you know, long-term essentially, right? Like at least a decade you're hoping to get you – you, that's how you got to think. And I'm sorry. This this type of thinking is its unacceptable, and it's, it's complete bullshit. He should be fired today. He should be fired immediately for that, just having that retarded of a fucking opinion. I'm sorry. You can bleep that out if you want. You can bleep out. I, I just – I can't. I can't even deal with that all right let me let me respond real
1: quick because that's fine go ahead. i think i started that um my my uh, uh hesitation with pile on piling on Fizz for playing rj so many minutes more went to the fact that there wasn't a game this year yet that i wanted rj off the floor like they've needed him because they've played so many close games and have only had one real point guard who as much as I've slowly uh, rented space on Frank Island, I do think there are times where he can be passive and cannot just run the offense all by himself at times. They've had to run the game through RJ. I was against him playing so many minutes in the preseason, that's for sure. I didn't understand why he was playing 37 minutes a game and four glorified scrimmages, Um. Tonight was the first night where I had no idea why RJ was back in the game. If that is his philosophy though, I'm right there with you though. There's, there's no reason that he should be, if the thinking is, like you said, with the Charles Brewell who Average 43 forty three minutes a game in 94. There's your – I went and actually pulled up to see if yeah, was at, even yeah, real. Yeah, I'm looking at the numbers right
0: now, but that wasn't even his rookie season. That was his second, a second year. Yeah, his second and, season in the league. And he was 23 years old, and he's only averaged over 40 minutes five times in his 13-year
1: career. But like yeah. you said, it was his second season. So even his rookie season, he averaged 35, which if RJ at the end of the day averages 35, it's probably even still too much. Um, I'm with you on that, Shwen, that if that is actually his philosophy, that he's only 19, why are we playing load management when it's, like you said, no, science- no one is fucking proven? saying,
2: no one is even saying load management, dude. Like, just play him a more normal minutes load. You've got fucking Dotson sitting there collecting dust. You got Trier, who was in the doghouse until today because our offense, we were in these games and then today we weren't, so of course, what does Fizdale do? Yeah, go to Trier. Tests- he needs shock, cre- that's it. That's always a solution. Gotta add more shock creation. So that's what he did. He went to Trier. Uh, what, like, you have enough. If you can't buy, who cares? I actually, the- here's the thing, I don't care. I don't actually care if you sit RJ seven more minutes a night. That means that you're gonna lose by 10 instead of two, or 28 instead of 20. I don't care because that's not the – the priority is not that. And to be quite – to be fucking completely honest, if you are that dependent on a rookie, that says – I know that this roster is flawed. I know that there are injury issues. That says so much more to me about your inadequacy as a head coach Mm. than anything else could. If well, you are that dependent on a fucking rookie, I don't care how good a rookie it is. I don't give a shit how good of a rookie it is. If you are that dependent on a rookie to make your shit not stink, then you are trash, and you should be fired anyway.
0: Well, even with the injuries, it's not like they're major injuries. I played
2: 15 minutes tonight! Fucking play him more, dude! We were down 20 the entire second half! Why do you need to play RJ 41 minutes? What the fuck are you doing? I don't care about Latrell Sprewell in 1994. Nobody gives a shit. I'm happy you read Basketball Reference today. Good for you. Great job. I don't give a shit, man. 41 minutes in a game that you basically did not have a chance to win. At what point in the second half, you like, well, there's no chance to next to winning. I would say it was right after the Kings went up 28 and hit three threes in a row to start the second half. Yeah. I was like, yep, okay, well, the game's over. You got, oh. you have enough guys that can eat minutes at are – Like if you had that, just plays. Z- I don't want to play ZO. Play ZO. Play ZO ten minutes a night if that's what it takes. Like you have to be able to find ways to not play R.J. forty one minutes, especially in a blowout loss like tonight. I'm sorry. That's, I can't even get over that. I, I don't even think I can talk about anything else because that was, that's so. I, it's such an absurd, like. I I I'm sorry. Just go ahead. Please let's move on. I I whatever you guys. I just can't. I can't do it. I can't.
0: That's uh. That's fine. I don't think Fizz read Basketball Reference. I think he just pulled that out and he took a guess. I'm pretty sure he wasn't looking at any of the uh any of the numbers. I will say that. Like I mean, that gives him a lot of credit. Cause that means like beforehand he went on like his phone, typed in Latrell Sprewell just to see if it was like over 40 minutes. I mean. I think he just got lucky. I gotta be honest. Cause when he said it, I'm like, hmm, that can't be true. And so, yeah, um, we could talk about some other
1: better things. You want to talk about the Celtics game? I was there. You guys want to talk about that? I'm down. If Schwinn has gotten it all out. I yeah. Mean, that was
2: bravo, the, sir. I, I would love to talk about the Celtics game, but the thing is it doesn't matter because our head coach watched that game and was like, man, that was such, he even talked about it after. Oh, man, if we just keep holding the rope, we're so close. We just got to keep grinding, got to keep doing what we're doing. And then he just changes what we're doing. Like, I would love to talk about that game and be like, man, that was such a, a plus, And it was so nice. Until we fire Fizzle, I just don't see how, like, any of this stuff matters. Because he's not optimizing anything. You're, you're not optimizing your, your lineups. You're not focus i i don't what is our focus what are we trying to do i guess that's what i'm at like because i don't think that the job is as complicated as he's making it right to me the job is basically like okay be a semi-competitive team win like 27 games and develop the young guys and people are acting like that is such a you know you know like a whole amazingly difficult task to achieve because this is a flawed roster like every roster every roster that is you that you every team that you're like automatic lottery team automatic lottery team they have flawed rosters okay like that that's a little secret i'm gonna let you in on and i just you like do you guys really think that watching like to watch that Celtics this game and be like wow like that was a really good coaching job and i think that like we did a good job of staggering Randall and Morris. Uh, the floor was spread a lot. Um, you know, we actually ran sets. We were moving the ball at least. Uh, like, we were, there was definitely a focus on moving the ball. Okay. And then to, to do all that, watch that, feel like you're developing something, and then to just completely change it the next game, like, who cares, man? Like, who cares about that Celtics game then? Who gives a shit? Because we're not going to see it again, probably. He's probably going to end up oh, well, we didn't score against the Kings, we didn't defend well, so that must mean everybody needs to have their roles changed now, and that's what we're going to end up doing. We'll probably end up moving Mitch back to the starting lineup, probably have Trier get another run out at point or something, and, uh, you know, Ellington will probably get DNP'd again, and then randomly Dotson will get minutes, and we'll just, you know, and then when some of those guys struggle and lineups look bad, then he can have an excuse to experiment again. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I'm I'm sorry I'm being like such a fucking negative focus on this, but I, I just, I can't. It was such a fun game to watch that game, and I was so looking forward to watching tonight's game, and then an hour before the game, I hear about Portis is starting for Mitch, and I'm like, okay, I guess I'm willing to see it. Maybe he'll have a quick hook, and it's like none of that happened. Um... It was just a total reversion back to his worst tendencies and beliefs as a head coach. And then he dropped that utter ridiculous comment after the game that makes me want to, like, drink cyanide. Um, so, I, I'm i sorry. I just, I well, can't.
0: All right, well, the question then becomes that if we're talking about the idea of, like, all right, he needs to be fired or whatever, who then becomes the head coach? And then where do the Knicks go from there? Because this would be... Another, you know, another failed Knicks coach in the sense of like, you know, had a very short leash in these sort of situations. And of course the media is definitely going to crush them for firing Fisdale. So it's just more of like, what do you do moving forward then if you're going to, if you're going to go down this route? Like is Mike Miller
1: going to take over? The head coach first thought. Yeah.
0: Okay. So if Mike Miller, like is there going to be a fundamental difference between what Miller does and what Fisdale does? Like I, I guess that we have to wait and see. Well, For something like that, but I don't. I don't know.
1: Well, that's that's the thing. I'm not gonna pretend I watch too many G League games, honestly. I just know that the focus then solely becomes development, and it's less about wins and losses. You know what I'm saying? Like the primary focus of having a guy that all he has really done in his coaching career, as far as professionally, at least recently, has been just developing guys. A guy probably knows how to use Alonzo Trier better. A guy that probably knows how to use Dotson better um that you'd bring him in and then in to schwinn's uh outcry it would be more about the development and guys don't have to play 37 38 minutes a night so you try to win games and it's more about it's a process that to use the most overused word in the nba right now
2: see like i just i don't even think you like if fizz can't actually look at this roster what he has right now and identify what he should add to the rotation to complement the young guys that are in the rotation, then he is inadequate as a head coach. Because to me I watched that Boston game and I was like, okay, um, definitely think that Alfred needs to play when he gets back. Uh and I think that we need to cut RJ's minutes a little bit and play Dotson more. That's like what I when I as soon as I watched Like after watching the Orlando game and watching that game, I was like, okay, those are like the two things that I think are pretty obvious that we need to do. And he played Dotson against Orlando, right? Which is the weird thing. Mm -hmm. He played against Orlando and then doesn't play him against Boston, which I was like, okay, he cut the rotation. Maybe he just wants to like get these eight guys kind of working in sync and in the same spots, like minutes, night to night. And that's what he wants. And then he'll work in, you know, Dot. Maybe you work in Zoe a little bit, work in Payton. And it's like, nope, didn't do that. And it's, I, I just – I I don't really think it's that complicated because my suggestion of just moving – of using Elf and Dot more and cutting RJ's minutes and Frank's minutes. Frank played, like, what, 38 or something against Boston? Like, I don't want him playing 38 minutes a night either. Um, well, he cut him tonight. He only played yeah. 14 <laughs> Fifteen or so, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um But yeah, it's like I I think that basically the only young guys that you're cutting then from the rotation entirely are Zo and Iggy, who isn't really. I mean, I'm fine with him not playing right now, to be honest. I think that's a totally reasonable decision. Um, and I guess Dennis Smith, but Dennis Smith is, you know, he's got his own shit to work out right now before we we worry about his basketball uh future obviously he has a lot more important things that he's dealing with so um but just like of the guys that are currently here you're just talking about zo really who um would be on the outside looking in and it's like i'm not even saying that he should never play i'm just saying you know if what you're presumably talking about in terms of moving the ball and defending are the you know the identity you're trying to forge and the way we played in that boston game should be the template of like how you want to play um those two guys make sense to me uh alfred and and dot and and they obviously have guys that can easily take some minutes from that need to have minutes taken from them um and you would be developing your young guys and like playing vets that compliment them uh, i think that would be like a fun team to watch i tweeted that a lot after friday i was like i think i really think there's like a, an identity that can be forged with this team with the tools at his disposal Flaws and all, and that it could be a fun season. Um, but <coughs> Fizz apparently doesn't want me to have fun and, uh, hates me, wants me to watch <laughs> terrible basketball for the rest of my life. Um, so that's, uh, that's cool.
0: Well, this kind of brings up potentially a larger issue <coughs> in that if we're saying it's so obvious, then what are we, we're just a bunch of, you know, Idiots on a on a podcast, kind of talking about this stuff and just watching the game. Could this potentially be a larger um, upper management sort of um, directive in terms right. of all this stuff? Like this is directly like this is exactly what like, you <laughs> know, Steve Perry specifically wants with stop the uh, no 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 it's Steve Mills and Scott Perry Steve Perry oh uh, I see what you did there yeah you know you know don't stop believing in that uh in that joke. <laughs>
1: So if, if that's,
2: if that's I'll the case, that one. If, if that's the case then, <laughs> if, if that's the case, wouldn't you, like, I, I don't see how that makes sense because he changes so much shit night to night that I have, what do you think, like, based on what we've seen so far, what do you think they could have said to him to make him make all these decisions? Like what, what is, I, I think that they probably, Generally gave him like see here here here's my thinking. I think that they probably told him, like, look, you gotta win X amount of games, right? You know, granted, assuming we have decent health, blah 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 blah. You gotta win a certain amount of games. Um And he is stupidly thinking that he needs to get the vets going to hit that target, when I really think he'd be way better served going with focusing on the young guys who just genuinely seem to play like a way better brand of team ball. Um, and yeah, I, that's what I think. I, I don't know. I have no, I, I just, I don't think that he's being micromanaged this year. I think maybe last year he was to a degree. I don't see him being micromanaged right now. I'm sure that there is some stuff like Randall and Morris are basically have to start. You, know, you have to genuinely, genuinely <clears throat> Uh, make it try to work, which I think is somewhat tough, but at the same time I'm like, Okay, I mean, if you have to do that, why don't you just start like keep things starting line the same and then just give one of them the quick hook at the start of game. So it's like they're they're still starting, but you're doing a better job of staggering. Um you know. You're basically like saving face, right? You're like, no, no, you're still a starter. Right? I'm just I need you to help carry the bench units a little bit more. That's why you're coming off the bench now. Um i i I don't think yeah i i even if I grant you that there are certain directives coming from uh the front office i I don't think that we can blame or rather that they can blame um or sorry fizz can blame anybody else for some of the issues like I don't know i is it clunky the roster sure. Uh, are there egos to be managed? Sure. Um, I still don't think it excuses some of the shit we're seeing. Okay, let me um, let me rephrase it
0: a bit because I, I I definitely don't think it's an issue of making excuses for Fisnel at all. It's more of those two reinforcing and supporting what he's doing. More of what I'm getting at because if okay okay right, okay, it's more because if we're saying that these simple solutions are fairly obvious and they do seem fairly obvious. Just stagger the minutes a little better and cut down on some things and just run some very basic um high school stuff. Like we're just basically asking run more pick and rolls and stagger minutes, right? We're not really asking for much and he's not doing that. So the concern is more of, well, if we think it's so obvious, why isn't the front office telling him to be like, Hey, do this, right? Cause they're, they're the ones in charge. And the fact that, they're still kind of feeding into like that Fizzle still doing his bad habits. It kind of makes me think that the front office is perfectly fine with the way that he's coaching.
2: Well, they way. did say, they did mention some Steve mills specifically mentioned something about how they viewed, they split the season up into 10 game like segments and see how the team is progressing over that time. So I would, Guess if that's true, and I have no idea why he would say that if it if it's not true. Um, I mean it's just like not something that he. There's no reason to lie about that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, then I'm assuming that hopefully after the first ten games they'll go to Fizzle and be like, "Hey, uh, so you're doing a lot of stupid shit, and we would prefer if you did less of that stupid shit." Uh, that's what I would hope happens, and that. After, you know, starting game 11, all of a sudden, the rotations are better, and, you know, uh, maybe, uh, maybe that would happen. Because, I guess what is even more insane to me is that I don't even think that, like, the, uh, I don't even care about the structure and the coaching and all that. I just think if he plays better lineups, like, if he plays lineups that make more sense, that stuff will, like, it, it it won't even be a it'll, it's more of like a a long-term concern than what you have to worry about right now in terms of development and all that shit. Um I like he he's just make, again he's making his life so much harder than it has to be and it's it's in turn making my life much harder than it needs to be. <laughs> oh man. But um I'm trying to think if there's
0: anything else we need to uh did you like any players that played at all? Tonight, guys.
2: Yeah, Fox. I, liked, I like Fox. You like Fox? Fox. <laughs> uh,
1: I liked Mitch. I thought he, uh, I thought he played well. It was tough to actually get a gauge on how exactly, how specifically, how well he played because they were down late, and a lot of it was when uh, the Kings had kind of lowered like- the, in- yeah, lowered the intensity. We'll, we'll call it that. Um, but I had see that was. Low key why I was okay with the, the Mitch coming off the bench, cause there's just been way too many times he's gotten into foul trouble. I just didn't like Portis being the guy that they chose. I would have actually tried something. If you're experiment, Tosh. exactly, like what has happened to Tosh Gibson, <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, I, or if you, okay, sorry,
2: just, like, if you're gonna... If you really want to try to get Randall going, shouldn't you just be like, fuck it, like, just play Randall at the five and
1: That's the exact, that's what I was going to well, say. Yeah, go yeah, with Taj Gibson or put Kevin Knox in and then you can actually try to go with a different plan of we're going small, but we're actually going to space the floor better.
0: Yeah, or even just have Ellington in. And, cause it's not yeah. like Rankin and RJ can't, you know, defend up. You know, they're pretty versatile. Yeah, it's just, it was just a whole bad decision. All around, um what happened to Mitch's finger on his left hand? They said he had a splint on it, yeah he dislocated Oiled
2: the last in. game, yeah, or sprained it or something I
0: don't know oh, we did that in the Celtics game, yeah, oh I that's didn't why know
1: he that. I, you were there, so um, you probably missed the, he left the game for well like a, a half a quarter Schwinn. and yeah. it was because there was a the moment where one? It was in the third quarter. There was a moment where I thought it was worse than what it was, and when you hear the words MRI, you're like, wait a minute, and then mm-hmm. it was, like, false alarm, he's, like, coming back in, and obviously he played tonight, so he's fine. But, yeah, he sprained a finger. Okay, yeah, because I had no idea that was
0: an issue, and it's not like they, did, they didn't announce it at all in the in the arena or
1: anything well, like it's that. It was
2: a plus five, I think, tonight. He's and the yeah. only
1: one that was a positive <laughs> plus-minus, minus. Yes.
2: and I know that a lot of it was garbage time, et cetera, et cetera. But like, I mean, it, it's, I mean, yeah, dude, Mitch, uh he usually has a pretty decent impact when he's on the floor. Um, uh, and yeah, uh, especially
1: I just, like, defensively, I just,
2: yeah. Just don't, oh, man. Just don't tell me Randall is your focus because that's that's so wrong. That's like. Totally missing. Randall is your highest paid player. I get that. Um... No man, he is not the dude that you're supposed to be like. He should be good enough. If he's not good enough, that he can't just like figure out how to fit in around RJ, then you know that's that's his problem. I'm sorry. I'm not really interested in like changing a bunch of shit to get him going um because he's what in year six of his career and like yeah he's put up good numbers he's a good player but he's never never going to be good enough to justify that type of like specific catering to that that he got today um and you know we got our asses kicked and like again i i really want to make it clear i'm not trying to give all the players a pass here either uh i thought basically outside aside from rj and uh, Mitch, that they were all pretty Im- – and Morris, to be fair. Yeah, so those three I think I would say, like, were fine or better than fine. But everybody else is basically embarrassing. Um, but, yeah, man, I don't know. If seven of ten guys in your team that you're playing are embarrassing, I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe it it's something about you as the coach because, yeah, you can tell me all these guys aren't great players, but most of them are NBA players that have, like, a legit skill – or something. Well it's,
0: not, well, it's not just a legit skill. They have multiple skills. Like the idea that RJ and Randall can't coexist seems really odd to me. Because Randall is a good pick and roll player. Randall can pass the ball. Randall can create and they're not using him in that fashion whatsoever. Now that's really the frustrating part, because RJ moves without the ball too. There's been a couple times where Randall's hit. RJ on a cut for an assist. Like, they, they can play together. They're just, they're just not doing it in a very smart way at all. And that's what's really been frustrating.
1: And a lot of that, there. a lot of that goes back to what you guys have been saying throughout this episode is it's the lineups haven't made it possible for them to have good games at the same time. I've looked at the box scores and tried to find a game where Randall and Morris have had like coincide. A good game together. I just, I haven't seen it yet, which I think speaks to a larger issue about the roster construction. Um, what do you guys think about that? Just both of them so far playing together.
2: I think that it's fucking bananas that you're, you have five front court player. you have five players who slot in at the four and five, right? Between Mitch, Taj, Randall, Portis, and Marcus. And you're only playing four of them, and yet you, and yet Morris is playing so much more of his minutes at the three. Like, that just strikes me as terrible coaching yeah. um, and really poor usage of a roster because, like, I, I'm i totally fine with him actually not playing Taj. I think I would have gone... Uh, initially, I was leaning towards um, Portis sitting, but to be quite honest, I think Portis has... out. Uh, he frustrates me plenty also but like i think he he's done more to earn that kind of role right now than taj the backup center role not the starting center role uh Mm -hmm. but like you know that's fine that's good to me that was like a proactive decision very quick like okay nope these are the four guys i'm going with in the front court let's roll with it and again if he needs to do the fake starter thing with morris And Randall, because they both got promised to be starters, fine, cool. I am sympathetic to that. I'm not sympathetic to how hard he's trying to make something work that, like, very obviously does not work. They both exacerbate each other's tendencies to hold the ball and do stupid shit with it in ISO. And, like, obviously that's also being exacerbated by (laughs) Fizz's usage of them in certain sets and how he's trying to get them going. So it's... uh, I don't know. It's... It's very weird. I, I'm with you. I mean, Morris well, and Randall clearly can't play well together. It's also
1: just become really predictable when they're both on the floor what's gonna happen when the ball gets to them. You know, like it worked tonight to an extent with, with Morris cause he went 9 of 14, but too many times this year, I know when Marcus Morris gets the ball, very rarely is he A going to pass it and very rarely is the shot going to be a good shot and same thing with Randall when he gets the ball. If there's not a a, a set play run where he's actually going to pass it or run a pick and roll, um, he's backing down or trying to put a move on a defender and get to the rim. And very rarely this year has it worked. It's it it hasn't looked good, especially when they're both on the floor at the same time. You know,
2: Randall looks like he got too jacked. That's what I think.
1: Ooh, that's a take. Can Did you two- get too jacked? Yeah, you can get too jacked.
2: Yeah, like he he can't. He, look at him. He's not, like, shifty. He's not, like... I'm not saying... Mm. He was never, like, the shiftiest guy in the world, but, like, you know, he could move a little... He's not moving well. Like, he... On offense, like, yeah, I agree. Some of Fizz's usage of him is frustrating, but, like, I've watched a lot of his Pelican shit, and, like, you know, he can create out of some of these positions and get to the get to the rim, and, like, he's just not doing it at all. He He's, like... He looks too muscle-bound. Like, he... Well... It's just very stiff. Everything is very stiff with him and very like rigid. And yeah. I don't know.
1: Well, last year wasn't he running more plays from the five, like the quote unquote five so I know we're I know we play mostly positionless basketball now, but wasn't he mostly running as the five man? So basically all of his offensive plays were going against the other team's center because you had Anthony Davis and Jaleel Okafor and Miritich for a part of the season, and now with him mostly being the four, just the guys that are guarding him are just much more athletic and, and
2: quicker. So, just really quick on Basketball Reference, he played ninety-one or seventy-two percent of his minutes last year at the four.
1: Not the and four, okay. So never mind. Again, I yeah. didn't watch. No, I, it's. I, I, hey, did
2: I, did. I, I didn't watch them a lot either. Um, but I, I think that, uh, yeah. it, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I would be lying to you if I told you I have a really great handle of all of that, but I don't. Um, what, all I can judge is on what I'm seeing. And like, yeah, I gotta be honest, man. I, if, if Randall is this difficult of a fit, you gotta consider, you know, either he moves to the bench where the fit is a lot easier or you think about training him because to me, like, he's actively taking, sh- like, yeah, Morris is annoying at times, but Morris can pretty easily slot into, like, the type of role you'd want him to play in a lineup heavy and a rotation heavy on younger players, right? Because he can just be, like, a spot-up 4-3-4 four, four that attacks closeouts, and, like, yeah, okay, like he's going to always do a bunch of his stupid, annoying iso shit, but, like, that's just—that's fine. Like, I, I'm I'm fine with that for the most part. Um, I think he takes way less off the table and he, he can fit into a good defensive lineup. Like, that's really what frustrates me because if you have Frank, RJ, Mitch, and Morris, like, you should be a good, you will be a good defense. Okay, like, if those four are consistent rotation players and you play a rotation like we did against Boston where those three of those four were routinely on the floor together, like, I think on most nights you're gonna be able to To stay competitive defensively, at least. Tonight was not one of those nights. Fair enough. But like, um, you know, I'll I'll be completely honest. I actually thought the Kings made a lot of bullshit in this game, too. It's like a lot of things that just weren't necessarily good shots or bad defense. But like, you know, they get into a comfort zone. You let them get into a comfort zone, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, I just, I think Morris fits a lot easier and Randall, when he's not rolling, when he's not being, like when he's not playing well, he actively takes possessions away without creating any advantage for these kids like you have to fit in you have to give him so much usage for him to have value that like at some point it becomes a detriment especially when you have guys like i mean i can talk about it all day but like rj is so much better than i think any of us probably anticipated from the jump that you really i I think there just needs to be a serious discussion internally about like okay look like we thought one thing. We thought you know, we needed to get a Randall type to kind of shoulder some usage and help out RJ and these other young guys while they're developing. And I really think you got to shift it to be like, look, I, I think RJ can. Is he gonna have shitty nights where he looks like a fucking, you know, a R- bum? Rookie. Yeah, of course, of course he's going to. But I think for the most part, y- you are seeing the outline of like, you know, a, a real legit difference-making two-way wing with serious playmaking potential. And, you know, with Mitch, like, if those, if that's all, if those are the only two you're convinced of, and I, they are the only two I'm definitely convinced of that are going to be, like, that should almost certainly be good two-way players, Um, you know, like, the rest of the players that you're picking need to be, need to fit in according to that. Um, And if Randall can't fit into that and you know, I, I think either he moves to the bench or you seriously consider moving him because uh I think that there's like uh, okay Frank didn't play well tonight, but he makes sense to me next to those two and he's young so I wanna keep him and see if he can get better. Uh Dennis Smith Jr., a little clunkier of a fit, but still young. Uh wanna keep him, see what he can do down the line. Zoe, not his biggest fan, but like I would keep him for the time being sure like I, I just don't i just think like a lot of this stuff becomes a really easy if you just if you just think about the roster right now okay think about the whole roster take randall out randall's not on the team don't you think that the lineups and rotations become way easier now
0: i'm going to push back on that no i actually don't think so and randall's play definitely doesn't support what i'm going to say with it, I I think it does come mainly down to how Randall's being used more than anything else. Because when you when you saw him for the Pelicans, you kinda even though we haven't seen much of Zion because he's you know, he's fat and injured, but the Pelicans all they did was just throw Zion into the Randall role. And Zion didn't really have the ball that much to be explosive. They got him moving and everything like that. Randall's not moving anymore. They're literally just giving him the ball to isolate and I think that's a big problem and I think if he was being used properly we wouldn't be seeing this type of performance I mean I don't think we'd be arguing this argument even though it's a completely fair one because Randall still is not really play defense well and Morris at least will play defense like and, and make three pointers I, I do think some of this has to come into the fact that Randall's not being used properly and that's why we're coming to this sort of uh conclusion like if if well, he was used properly and he was playing like shit, then we could be like, okay, if we just had one less front court player, everything would be better. But if, I, I definitely you, think it's the coaching right now. If, you, if
2: you're going to use him, I think, on this team, I guess here's a better way of putting it. Because I'm not really, I'm not desperate to trade Randall. I would do it, though, in a certain circumstance, but I'm not desperate to trade him at the moment or anything. But, like, if, if you just played him at the backup four and poured us a backup five, Move Morris to the floor in the starting lineup and then play like whoever at the three. I d don't, don't really care. If you if you want to move Wayne or Knox or <clears throat> I think it would be it would be Wayne or Knox would come into the starting lineup then. Um that to me is a way better team, especially once you get like Alfred into the uh backup point role. I think he would really do well with that that bench unit. Um and yeah, that, that would be fine to me. And again, like, if Fizz has to do the fake starter thing to make that happen, sure. That's cool. Let's do that. But if, if this is how we're going to utilize the roster, then I just don't want Randall because it's never going to be a good fit with him if this is how we're going to utilize the roster. Um, but obviously the easier solution is just, you know, fire Fizz, get a better coach that can make these things work because I, it'd be one thing if we were losing games and getting like you said, getting good production out of Randall and then you can be like, oh, just an empty stats guy. But we're not even, we're not getting that. We're just getting like so much bullshit out of Randall. Um, and I am sympathetic to that, but man, dude, he had one possession today where he was literally just standing in the corner with his hands on his hips watching Morris. Like
0: oh I know like it's really bad like I know me saying that like it's more of a coaching thing like doesn't really you know it's like the worst thing you could possibly say right now given the way he's been playing and pouting around and just not finishing around the rim or doing anything I I do think there's a big component of just this team is just the way they're using the roster is just the coaching staff is just hasn't really been smart and we saw it be successful in the Celtics loss and we saw it even be successful in their comeback win with the bulls, like what even the, Orlando, yeah, even in Orlando in the second half, when they were coming back, like we saw the recipe for what actually works. And it's primarily playing Frank and RJ together because they're actually good on defense. They know how to play with each other already. Like they have like good chemistry of like when each one of them runs, the you know, runs the offense and everything. Like we kind of see that we see it with like also Mitch two anchoring the defense from behind and it's, they just don't do it consistently. And it's just genuinely frustrating because they're clearly, the performance suggests what they need to do, and then they just didn't do it again tonight. It's awful. Also,
1: like, it's seven games. Like, we talked about earlier that the, the eight, ten-game seasons that Steve Perry was talking about, Um, like, it's also only been seven games. You don't know that they might try to tinker with it still, and that they did add eight new, well, nine new players to this roster from last year, so... I think part of it is we're reacting to what has looked abysmal at times, and specifically last, tonight, uh, the worst loss of the season. But, um, yeah, Fizz has his his work cut out for him. There's there's no argument against that. And it would be a lot easier if, I I don't even know how much you guys want to get into this, if, if this is even that big of a deal, or if it's an overreaction or not, but if, like, if their free throws were being hit, at a higher consistency then they probably do have two to three more wins on their, their docket and we wouldn't be as frustrated with tonight's loss. I Like I'm how big how first. important is it that they're sixty six percent from the line this year and RJ's at under forty five percent?
2: It's RJ, very important. How but how important is it that he thinks that RJ needs to play forty five minutes a night? That's the that's a Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. So it's like, tri- I just—I'm sorry. I just can't get over that. I'm sorry. I keep going back. To well, it. it's more important
1: than that. I just one—I just wonder wonder if one has something to do with the other. Rjig's exhausted, so when he shoots his free throws, he's doing it with tired legs. I mean, that's definitely
0: a, a um. It could be something that's looking forward to. We need to look to move forward, but I don't really care about the win loss. Honestly, like I I don't really care about wins and losses, especially for like this season. I just care more about um just what's making sense for just kind of like long-term stuff. If they're losing, but they're doing stuff that makes sense and it's like working, I, I can't get mad at the results. Like this team wasn't going to be a playoff team. We knew that going into the season, but we knew that there, they shouldn't be like a 17-1 season again, because they actually did upgrade talent and players did improve year over year. It's just what they're doing right now. It's just generally frustrating because there's no excuses for it. That's, I think that's what the point now are just like, Fisdale should have improved last year as a coach, and it doesn't seem like he's learned anything. And he seems like he's just doing the same mistakes he did all of last year. And that's the frustrating part. Like, even if it's, I know it's still early in the season, but he needs to get his act together. If he if he wants, otherwise, supposedly they were cheering fire Fisdale during the game. Yeah,
2: yeah, I heard it a little bit.
0: Yeah, so it's just like, I mean, if he doesn't want to get fired, he he needs to be better. And yeah. I, I, and that's really what it comes down to. You just need to make the logical choices and he's not doing it.
1: Well, how I'm, bad do you guys think it has to get to where this front office would actually fire Fizdale?
2: I don't, I don't know, but I think they should fire him after tonight's game. Just for that quote, I would fire him. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not joking. Like, I think I would. Right. It, I would I'm just, more thinking
1: like from a, from a Mills and Perry perspective because they've been very
0: outspoken. Oh, they're going to give, weeks. they'll give him, no, I think they'll give him the season.
1: I do too. I
2: don't think so. I think that, I think people are really overestimating this idea that, like, they're this tied to the guy. Like, first of all, it's fucking Madison Square Garden. Like, if any place plays politics, it's MSG. Um, they're, they'll sell, they'll throw him under the, under the, what is, what did Woodson used to say? Uh, th- they'd throw him under the bus, uh, you know, before they'd ever take the heat. I don't think he's locked in for the year, especially not after, like, I'm sorry, I, I would like to believe that the Knicks have a medical staff and that Perry and Mills listen to this medical staff and that presumably this medical staff would be s- staffed with intelligent human beings and that when they hear a comment like what Fisdale has made repeatedly, like re- multiple times now, really, about like how RJ can't yeah, he's get been, yeah, he's because really he's 19. Drunk, yeah. um, I would like to believe that there are alarm bells going off. I don't think that Mike Miller was promoted from Westchester to the Knicks coaching staff because Fisdale watched a ton of Westchester film and, uh, really liked the schemes that he was running. I think that was probably a front office decision, uh, perhaps even a forward looking one. Um, and I just, I mean, here, here's the thing. People have anytime that the, this front office has made a big move, um, no one has really seen it coming and it hasn't really been like, you know, rumored in advance. Um right, like the mellow trade for OK to OKC that just happened. It like they that happened pretty quick. Um the Porzingis trade, obviously. Um, you know, those are the two big examples we have of things that just happened very quick and just, you know, there was no rumors. Even the Moudier thing. They traded for Moudier and like it wasn't like I don't remember hearing a single rumor about their interest in Moutier up until like the day they traded him. Um, so I think they operate pretty discreetly, um, and, you know, they've definitely demonstrated they're willing to make bold moves, and, uh, I, I don't know, uh, do, maybe not 20 games, but I, I could definitely see, like, halfway through the season, uh, sure. Like, at some point, you're gonna have to just look at, like, you know, really basic, like, I would imagine a lot of these guys are playing. I'm talking about the vets here specifically, but I'd imagine multiple of many of them are playing worse than they did last year or through their careers. And if that doesn't improve, you know, that probably says something as a, as a front office. I'd be very, yeah, I'd, I'd be thinking about it. I don't, I, I probably wouldn't fire Perry or Fizzo, uh if I was. Thinking like Perry or Mills at this point, I'd fire him, but I know that they're not thinking like that. So, um, yeah, that's fine. Um, but I do 100% believe that they, uh, they're not as tied to him or, yeah, tied at the hip to him as a lot of people think.
0: I don't know. I just have a feeling that they are. I don't know why, but then again, I had a feeling that the Warriors were actually going to be Good this year. So what are my uh what are my feelings? (laughs) What do I know?
1: I'm right there with you, Drew. I had them as a 17. So I I I don't know if it changes if Steph is healthy, but uh they would have this would have been much tougher. Um I also like I do agree, Schwen, that this team at least this front office this iteration of this front office has done things uh immediate. You know, like when things have happened, they've happened the day of. I just he has the a built-in excuse of roster turnover and a young team if he wants it, and I don't know if they're willing to just throw out uh, that, after so that, but, a year and a half, you know.
2: So that would be his excuse, though. But like, but like that would be his excuse when he got fired.
0: Well, like, that'll also be the media's excuse, too, when he gets... If he, he were to get fired right now, he would wait, have... That, definitely,
2: that's, I don't even give a shit about the media, because... Oh, no, I'm that, just, yeah. I just wanted
0: to point that out, that, like, the media will definitely back up Fizz if they, he got fired the next 20 games. I'm yeah, just, even
2: just, though he's been terrible, he's gotten... Really oh, no, he's,
0: yeah, he's been terrible, he probably should be gone, but I'm just wanting to let every, warn everyone that it will happen once he gets fired, that yeah, the media yeah, will yeah. side with him.
2: My, my thinking is more like, I don't think the front office is going to buy that excuse. I just... I, because... Everything about what they have indicated publicly, like all, everything they talked about last year, was like you knew that they were, you know, they okay. wanted. Yeah, exactly. Like everything they said was like, oh yeah, it's a development year. It's this year is about uh, talent acquisition mode and bullshit and whatever. Like you know, we knew what was up. That was very obvious. Their all their verbiage has changed now. They're not out there. They haven't said anything about it. they. I knew they didn't care about the playoffs because they made. It very clear that was not like I think it was very clear that was not the expectation they had even internally. Um, but I don't think they're gonna sit around and watch him fart his way to like twenty two, twenty three wins or something with this roster. I think they look at his roster and they're like, look, like you don't need to win, but you need to be competitive. And like y- you have games like tonight. I mean, that was the Kings are. I, I mean, they're much. I don't think they're as bad as they have played at various points early in the season. And I think for the most part, they've actually just had, like, these weird stretches in every game where they just, like, go to complete shit. But, like, over the course of a full 48 minutes, a lot of their minutes have actually been fine. Um, And, like, they had a good win against, what, Utah, was it, on Friday? Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, like, I they, and, you know, obviously, I think we would all agree that before the season, we thought the Kings were a better team than the Knicks uh the I, ha- I had them in the playoffs right so like it's not it's not like this is a team devoid of talent or anything like that no it's, it's a solid yeah. team yeah and I, and I don't think like I I genuinely don't think like if they didn't win today I don't winning or losing again like again I agree with Drew it's not winning or losing but it's like how you win or lose is is the bigger issue like if they were fucking seven and zero, and all we were doing is playing vets I'd not be happy about that either um Like, that's not what this is about, and, like, uh, people act like it's, like, this impossible task to develop young players and play vets, and it's like, no, just find the fucking vets that work with the young players, figure out those lineups and rotations, and roll with that, and, like, that's what makes it so frustrating, because I think, I thought the Chicago game, the Orlando game, the Celtics game, he was, like, largely, he was getting there, he was really, really close, to to figuring out like a good rotation and then he just goes away from it entirely today just because i, I mean I, fuck fuck if i know why I mean, he said it was because randall needed to get randall going or whatever sure i'll i don't really care uh it just that's that's what's frustrating to me because i was like i watched those three games and i'm like okay like i feel like fizz finally figured something out about this roster and he's you know, he's moving in the right direction and then today just felt like such a total regression. Um, so I, I don't know. Maybe the next game, maybe today was just a one-off. Maybe he thought Mitch was hurt worse than he was and wanted to protect him or something. I, I don't know. Maybe they all just got really fucked up last night and played like shit today. Uh, it's definitely possible. Pretty sure that's what happened to the Rockets today, uh, in Miami. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just very, very deflating loss, more because of how it was lost and the comments before and after, um, from Fizz than, than, uh, I would have been after Friday, where I was genuinely very happy after Friday's game. I was like, that's a good team. That was a, that was a good, that was a good game and Tatum hit a great shot. That happens. Like, you know, I, I I'm fine with that. Now, you can live with that, but games like tonight are just, they're, those are unacceptable performances. Um, even for a team that isn't expecting to be in the playoffs, um, to just come out and get smacked around in your home court and, like, yeah, let's blame players too, but, like, the underlying issue in a lot of the struggles we had relate to the coaching decision. Um, and, you know, maybe internally they know that Mitch, is, they wanted to be safe with him or something. Um I still don't know if that excuses... I still don't think that excuses the RJ stuff. Um or okay. Frank like fifteen, which was weird. Like I didn't actually think I didn't think Frank had played a good game. I thought he really needed to be more aggressive at various times, which has always been his problem. But like only playing fifteen minutes tonight is fucking really strange. Um I don't how much did Knox play? I don't think you think Knox played that much. He
0: did let's take a look at the box score 19, Knox played twenty
2: minutes. Yeah. Didn't even feel like that. And then yeah uh, I again it just yeah. Anyway, not, not a very consistent use of Knox. Um, I know he didn't play very well tonight, but, um, you know, again, I he did didn't that think,
1: about a lot of guys tonight, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, I mean, I didn't think his defense was bad. He was missing shots for the most part with Knox. And it's like, you know, again, what are we trying? What are we rewarding? I guess what's, what's our identity? What's our culture? What are we trying to reward? Um, this just felt like such a step back in all of, all of those categories.
0: Yeah, cause even in, even during like a lot of these like overall good performances, like all the bad issues still come down to the same sort of concerns that we had tonight, right? It's just, it's less versions of it. Like this was the entire game for Fizzdale, yeah. but like his weak moments, like even during the games, like there, there are one in six for a reason. And a lot of it does have to do with kind of this rotation management and whatnot. And if, you know what, the Knicks played like they did against the Celtics like for the rest of the season. They'd win 30 games. They'd win 30 games. And no one would be complaining because they'd be like, hey, they played hard. And no one would care. And I think that's one of the things that's kind of lost in it is just for people who are like the optimistic person for more of it. Like the optimism is just more of like, yeah, 30 wins. Like it wasn't even anything insane. And it's just genuinely, genuinely frustrating. Um When Tatum hit that shot, I had so many Celtics fans in my section start staring at me.
2: <laughs>
0: and it was the worst feeling cuz they thought they made the shot and it's like, no, you didn't make the shot. That, You're that's that's every
1: Celt- that's every Boston fan though. Um, so they
0: that's... they they didn't
2: they don't know that Tatum's not white. No. Oh! They, they don't
0: they don't know that at all.
1: Schwen, shot's fired.
0: Um they were it was really funny cuz well, my uh, my buddy, and he also hates the Celtics. And we, when Marcus Morris hit the game tying shot, we were the only ones in the area cheering. We just, just kept chanting like Marcus Morris, and started clapping as loud as possible, and just being completely.
2: I was like, surprised oh, you guys didn't get into some shit, man. Um, there
0: was one person who was upset with me because I started doing Derek Jeter chants at the uh Ooh. the <laughs> game. And, but the best part was I wasn't a Boston fan. I hear some guy in the back just being like, hey, I'm a Knicks fan, but I'll never root for those fucking Yankees. And I'm uh, like, and I'm like, yeah. this guy, and I'm like, this guy's like, it's Alex Wolf here complaining about in his beloved loser Mets. Oh, wait, hey, no. hey, 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 oh, yeah, hey, 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 Cla- hey, hey, Yeah, Claudio's hey. also a loser Mets fan, too. Hey,
1: hey, hey, we have one exactly island, the number of championships this Are
2: you from Queens? Me? Yeah.
1: No, I'm from Long Island.
2: No,
0: Okay, that makes sense. Close enough.
2: And it doesn't make, I, you're a Knicks fan, like, you're a Knicks and Jets fan, like, why, why? Just take the one easy option you got, man. Uh, hold well,
1: on, I'm, <laughs> the the Island. I'm closest to Queens. That's what I mean, it makes sense, longhanded. Yeah, yeah but it makes total it's, sense.
2: It's the closest, but it's, it doesn't matter, man. No, no one's gonna hold it against you if you for a Yankee fan from But no,
1: time. see, that's the, the thing is, Schwinn, that normally if you're raised a Jets fan, it's also a Mets fan. Those two coincide. It's weird to have the, the Knicks, uh, the, the Mets Yankee rival, or the, the Jet Yankee fan, you know? Like, those, yeah, that guess. is true. If you're a Giant fan, you're also a Yankee fan, which is why what? the Knicks fan is so bipolar, because you would Pretty much everybody's a Knicks fan, which is why you have, like, the expectation of greatness as a Yankee fan, but also the fear of disappointment from the Mets fan that's also a Knicks fan. Like, we're two yeah. in the same as Knicks fans.
2: But, but so. D- Doug, Doug was a Jets fan.
1: I was,
0: but uh, it was really weird kind of growing up because my father, I when he watched football, he watched the Giants, but then when my stepfather came into the picture, he watched the Jets, and then I started getting into football during that time, and that's how... I became a Jets fan. It was really weird because, like, I was never really big into football during, like, the formative years. I was always a big Yankee fan with all of it. But I stopped watching football because football is, like, the dumbest sport imaginable. I don't know. (laughs) It's true. I don't know. You've been
1: over this. It's entertainment. I don't know if there there are other dumb forms of entertainment that people enjoy. It's it's like the worst of the dumb entertainment. Like you're great, the
0: worst. Shut up. Like the great dumb entertainment is like the Fast and Furious movies. The f- football isn't. I love those movies. The fast. Yeah, it's it's not Fast and Furious. Like, like you,
2: you know I'm what you not... sound like right now? You sound like all those fake woke blue check NBA Twitter guys that you hate so much. <laughs> That's what you sound like right now. Football is so meaningless, man. Life is so much deeper than football, bro.
0: Now listen, if I was living in a uh, park slope doing this shtick, I would say in
2: Boston. Right. It's the worst. Even I worse. Live in,
0: I live in Brookline. Not Boston. Let's make that clear. Do you live
2: in Boston. That's.
1: that's I've not... been told Drew lives in Boston.
0: From. Drew from, lives from, in Boston. From Sauces.
1: Further notice. And ah. football's amazing. So, especially the red zone, which is like football and cocaine. So.
2: I'll it's so it. annoying because Drew just gets, like, incredibly upset anytime somebody will come on and we, like, talk about football for even oh my three seconds. It's,
0: it's the worst. Like, it's so – you know why? Because it's, like,
2: it's about the Jets, and the Jets suck. But you you're brought not even them a Jets up, fan. What? I'm not a Jets fan. Why did why, why – You why brought the entire them up. Suck? Because you were a Jets fan. No, I'm just
0: saying, just, like, Whack and, uh, Alex... The Patriots Alex,
1: are losing right now, if that helps. Oh, thank
0: God. Fuck They're I
2: gonna win, though, because the fucking Ravens keep... the Patriots, yeah. ...pissing away points to them. Yeah. But,
0: uh, you know, it's like, it's Whack and Alex talk about Sam Darnold being, like, their savior, and it's like, spare me. Like, yeah. he's not the savior, he fucking sucks. Good luck, sucks. Good nice luck with say.
2: that. Well, let me tie
1: this back to the Knicks, We're especially Alex, who I share in his pain as a Knicks, Jets, Mets fan... We're all just looking for that savior. We wanted it to be KD for a while last year. Then it turned into we wanted it to be Zion. And then it's become RJ Baird, or we hope so. We've been waiting for that quarterback to be the savior as a met, as a Jets fan. And unfortunately, uh, he, I now he, have no idea if we have a quarterback or not. Here's, here's where <laughs> no,
2: I gotta, I gotta push back a little bit on, on Jets Nation is after the Jets drafted Sam Darnold, all I heard about for a fucking year, a year and a half, Darnold's the best quarterback in his draft. Everybody else sucks. The Giants are stupid for passing on Darnold. Daniel Jones sucks. He's trash compared I to Darnold. All
1: that, to be honest.
2: And I don't know, man. Looks like a lot of those things. Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> when you're a Net, a Jets fan, it's better to just shut up. You know, take it's the better, L. It's I'm pretty to sure. just you know, don't don't count your what is it? Don't count your chickens before they hatch, or whatever the hell they, that is saying it? is. before they roost. Counting,
1: the last five games of the season last year, Donald had nine touchdowns and zero interceptions and looked like the prince that was promised. And, So going when into teams this, stopped caring, he's, no, that's, that's, that's he what played it two like. teams that were in playoff races last right. year. and But
2: they, they were like, you know, like he played the Packers. I think what, he had like four touchdowns yeah. against the
1: Packers. Yeah, right? no, he, well he had four against the Packers, but the week before he, uh had three against the Texans who went eleven and five and had a home playoff game last year. Is that guy with the 30. bad
0: coupe, still the defensive coordinator for the Packers?
1: Uh no, Mike Pettin is now the defensive coordinator for the Packers who I mean, they're actually like really good this year. Although today they got killed by a yeah, I don't know who that is. Look,
2: look all all I'm gonna say because I've I have my own young quarterback who I have various questions about at various times mm-hmm. and Josh Allen is that I think it's very amusing to take that five-game sample and extrapolate from that. But when people did the same thing with Josh Howe, like, oh, look, he finished the year a lot better. It was like, oh, well, how you can't do that, the sample, blah, blah, blah. Got to be consistent, man.
1: So I took it that a lot of the people that, like, watch college film and made their analysis on all these different quarterbacks based on What they saw in college and saw that Darnold is easily the best quarterback in the draft. It's a toss up between him and Baker Mayfield. I listened to them, which is why I got excited. Now, since Darnold's been my quarterback, there's been a lot of positives, but unfortunately, he makes like two bad throws a game and they're all being intercepted right now. And like, I don't know. It's
2: just, yeah, that that was always his problem though at USC too. Yeah, like he threw a lot
1: of turnovers in college, which is why coming in. in
2: But I mean, that's, that's the problem Josh Allen has too. So, I'm not, trust me, I'm I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that Josh Allen is 100% the real deal. I just think that Jets Twitter got a little, they're feeling themselves a little too much.
0: If I had a samurai sword right now, I would commit to (laughs) on air right now with this conversation.
1: Let's talk about something else. Let's. You guys seen any movies lately? I think I've mentioned to Schwin how into well, I know Drew, I know you know how into movies I am. Yes, um, you are. I've actually seen two
0: movies in the past week. I've seen The White House t- and I saw Parasite.
2: I haven't seen either. I saw Joker. That's the last one. I want to go see the Terminator movie. I'm probably gonna go see that at some point.
1: I'm seeing it tomorrow. Yeah. What well, did you think of Parasite?
2: It was it was fine.
0: I didn't like it, but it was.
1: Wow.
2: Like, yeah. Was, oh, I watched I watched The King on Netflix. Just came out movie. Oh,
0: with uh, Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet? Yeah,
2: Chalamet. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty good. It was pretty good.
1: We got to get back to him not being a fan of Parasite. It's my number one of the year so far. I don't right? even know what it's about, so. Uh, uh, do I give a brief plot description? Is it, it about is? Fisdell? No.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's about Fisdell living in the basement of someone's uh
1: Spoiler house.
2: alert! Oh. Um,
0: Spoiler? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiled movie.
2: Who's no. in it?
1: Uh, it's a Korean film about yeah, no, one, no one you know. Yeah, it, it's a it's lower class family uh, tries to infiltrate an upper class family as their help, and the whole premise is that they take advantage of how paranoid and ridiculously uh, stupid the upper class people in this area of Korea are. And
2: is, is the guy from Old Boy in it? N- no. Yes. Yeah,
1: the guy from Old Boy is not it. Yeah, he's oh, the dad. Oh go. yeah, he's the guy from Old Boy. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was fine. I just, I just didn't care for it. I, oh. I thought the, I thought the Lighthouse
1: was much better, much more. We're, we're flipped on that. I, I wasn't a fan. Oh, I, I, I'm not gonna say it was bad. I just not my cup of tea. Oh, I loved everything about the Lighthouse. It was
0: right up my alley. What's the so, plot? The plot? Yeah. It's about Rob Pattinson
2: jerking off. It's wonderful. Okay, exactly. You said it's about Rob Pattinson jerking off. Yes, yeah. that is
1: exactly what he said. Interesting. Right. There is a there is there is not just one, but there's two. two.
0: Oh yeah, and he has sex with a mermaid. I mean, yeah. come on now.
2: Okay, I'm not watching this one. <laughs> the mermaid thing
1: is just. What fun. Did I say? Cup of tea.
0: <laughs> it is
1: everything I want in a movie. Well, so. did you like The Witch, the Robert Eggers other movie? I haven't seen The Witch yet. Okay. The, there was a lot of uh, positive talk around that movie when it came out a couple of years ago, and I was so bored, and <laughs> I went into the lighthouse. I was like, okay, just let there be a plot, and then like 20 minutes in when we're still at this damn lighthouse, it's like, okay, this this is the movie. Okay, I'm in for it. Well, whatever. the
0: movie – well, the lighthouse is just a retelling of that Greek story of the the titan. Oh yeah, the uh, the
1: the entire ending is that the Greek mythology. um, Yeah, so like that's what the like to me
0: that's what the story is
1: about. It's just
0: kind of the retelling and reinterpretation of that type of um, allegory of like trying to grab something that you probably shouldn't be attaining for, and you should be focusing on other things in life. So I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I like those type of movies, but then again, like Twin Peaks is like my favorite show. So
1: then yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, but no, Parasite. I mean,
0: Parasite's good. It was, I, I get why people liked it, but I wanted maybe a little more from it. I just, I don't know. I can't really explain, but it was, it was solid though. Like, if anyone's like, is going to be like, Oh, that's a bad movie. I'd be like, Hmm, that's, you don't really know movies that well then. Cause it was really well done. It was really yeah, well made. Done. I just didn't, I just didn't care for it.
1: All right. We're, we're, we're flipped on a couple things there, unfortunately. Um, I, well, I guess that's okay. it's fine to agree, disagree. Yeah, that's okay. It's okay. not like I'm saying it's trash. It definitely wasn't trash. Which is exactly my take on the lighthouse. Um, I saw Jojo Rabbit finally. I've heard mixed reviews on that, and I don't. know. I don't understand the mixed part because the whole backlash against it. The, do you guys know the plot to Jojo Rabbit?
2: Not really. Oh I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, I do. I haven't. Is it good? Have you saw it? it I,
1: it's it's tremendous. Like it's yeah, it my favorite awesome. screenplay of the year so far, and. Other than Marriage Story, which is apparently uh, like the most personal film that's ever been made if you listen to film Twitter, uh, that's the only thing I think will compete for my number one spot for screenplay. But uh, the whole plot is a young boy in in Nazi Germany during World War II is not just like a diehard <laughs> – it's weird to say diehard, but like a big fan of Hitler and the Nazis and what their movement is. But he has an imaginary friend, and it's Adolf Hitler. And the movie is a satire constantly making fun of Hitler and that perspective of Nazis and what they think of Jews. And, like, it's in the trailer, so this isn't a spoiler, but this boy is in the attic one day, and he finds a that his the wall to the, the attic opens up a door and finds a Jewish girl hiding uh, from... Nazis at the time, uh, in his attic and realizes that his mom has been sheltering a Jew during World War II. And he starts to realize that all of the things that she's been, that he's been told about Jewish people might not actually be true. And the movie has a lot of heart. It's got some of the hardest laughs I had this year, but also has like the hardest gut punch. As far as like dramatic moments are concerned that I had in a movie this year, um I thought it was tremendous and I think the backlash to it is just that it's like you're laughing at Hitler and Hitler's not a laughing matter because he murdered millions of people, which true, but at a certain point can we not laugh at Nazis and in this, in the context that they're ridiculous, you didn't know, didn't
2: we, didn't we laugh at that in *Inglorious Bastards*? Exactly. Sure. Like oh, the whole
1: point of *Inglorious Bastards* was like, Nazis don't deserve mercy. So why is this too gratuitous? Like, I'm perfectly fine if we're watching Nazis get scalped and murdered in the most uh, vicious ways possible. Um, I have no issue with the the satire and the lapse in the movie. I don't really understand. Like, it's got a lower critic score, Metacritic score. Then Green
2: Book which to me is just <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> it's literally the worst it's the worst it's just the worst good movie it's like not even that good that's the problem with it I, Green Book was it's fine it's so patronizing. it being
1: the best picture winner for a year that included so many better movies is utterly ridiculous you get to guess- the end of that movie and the guy's at the table and here's his brother use a, a, a racial slur and he just goes, hey, "Hey, don't don't say that. Don't say don't don't say that." And you're just like, "Oh, poof, racism's over. That's Congratulations, a, movie, you solved racism."
2: I, I don't know. That's like pretty amazing character development. It really is. It really is. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing yeah. how they managed to pull that off. It's crazy. Amazing
1: how the the guy who wrote the screenplay about his dad came up with that, and then you. Uncovered his tweets and still gave him the Oscar for screenplay and best picture.
0: That was, yeah, the Holgary book thing winning was
1: oof, just awful. Yeah, just just awful. Well, that was <sighs> movie corner that was un- unfortunately a bit of a tangent, but I think we I think we got more out of movie corner than Nick's that was corner. the most enjoyable thing we talked about. Yeah, though. that was definitely the most enjoyable thing we talked about. <laughs> like if, I could recommend, like if we can recommend movies for people, because I, again, I haven't done a podcast in two months. That's so. fine. Go
0: ahead. This is your plug now. You can plug whatever you want.
1: Okay, so I obviously don't have a pod to plug at the moment, so go and read everything on Posting and Toasting and all the different stuff that we put up there. Follow all of my new buddies on Twitter. Just check the PNT staff list on Twitter, and you just hit the follow button all the way through. If I could Recommend any movies. Um I went through the entire Terminator franchise to prep for Dark Fate this week. Oh. Um T Two is still like the greatest action movie ever. It's up there at least. No offense to Drew, who I know loves Blade Runner. Uh Blade I Runner's still... not really an action.
2: I mean it's Thank an action okay. movie, this but this it's not really is, an this action is a, movie. This is like, a face off. Uh, yeah, like the
0: best action movie is not is not T Two, it's face off
2: this is a face-off fan podcast
1: Ooh, cool. so. i love face like i'm not gonna push back clearly on not enough think, oh, yeah okay.
0: not enough i mean yeah face-off is the greatest action movie to ever exist.
1: And it's i don't even think it's up for debate i don't again i don't like the action scenes don't stick out to me though like the the actual concept i think sticks out to me is why it's so incredible i think T2, are, are though, we though i are think we done with
2: claudio here there we go. <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> I would contend that... uh Well, like, is Jurassic Park an action uh, you're,
2: movie? You're fucking cancelled, dude. You know. is, answer my you're,
1: question, sir. Is canceled. Jurassic Park an action movie? Yes. No, it's a science fiction no. movie. I yeah, like it off. Sci-fi and action. Alright. I, when I think action, I think, like, the whole chase scene... Uh, with the T 1000 and the T 800 in Bro, T2.
2: he chases a plane in a Hummer in the opening action scene of Face Off.
1: Yeah, like, a, it's. I, like, how is movie, that not memorable? It's a
2: John Woo movie. It's clearly an action movie. I'm not it's, saying it's
1: not an action movie. It's just what sticks <laughs> out to me is the concept. Like, he. He fucks it. D- like, are we sure that that. You, mean the whole, you don't remember the whole
0: you don't remember the whole gun scene where they put the kid in the headphones and he's just listening to music and they're just guns blood.
2: That's the most like John Woo interpretation of violence ever.
1: Ever. It's it's perfect. It's just so Where perfect. in the Which Fast and Furious movie do you guys? Cuz now since we're talking ridiculous action movies. It's 5 and it's a top 5. Fast well, five. Rushmore. Fast 5, not Rushmore. Action. I would put it in my top 10. I don't know about top five, but I've also just never sat down and done my top five action movies, but it's up there. But you gotta yeah. add, like, Die Hard and Predator, and, like, is Top Gun, technically an action movie. Um no,
2: Top Gun's just a fucking like classic. Is, yeah, Top Gun's a, just... A, top. Oh, I love just, it! I just, it's just
0: an American movie about two gay men who love to play volleyball with each other. I, I yeah. hear you,
1: Quentin. I, I know what you're talking about, Quentin Tarantino. Um, I, so then, like, he's, like, Mission Impossible. Fallout has to be in that conversation. Um, Schwinn thinks it is. I haven't seen it yet. I love that conversation. conversation. I would go Fast 8, by the way. Like, Fast 5... I think, as a heist movie, actually, would be what right. I'm looking for. We're done with this
2: conversation. I can't. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Bro,
1: Fast and Furious thanks, 8, Fate of the Furious.
2: Thank you for coming Wayne on. Wayne uh, the
1: Rock Johnson leads thank, out of the side yeah. of his Hummer thank, and thank redirects you. a torpedo with his bare hand while being chased on a frozen lake by a submarine. That is the ridiculousness I want in my
2: action movies. Thank you for coming on the pod. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I love it how I didn't even recommend action.
1: an action movie that's out right, a movie that's out right now. I just <laughs> got brewed off the stage. Um oh, man. Uh, Terminator Dark Phase in theaters is what I haven't seen yet, but I'm seeing it tomorrow. Um If you're looking for like Oscar heavy movies to watch, uh Parasite is obviously in theaters, The Lighthouse, honestly I don't know what that movie would get nominated for, but it, a lot of film critic circles love that movie. Um, the Irishman, if you're willing to make the trip into New York City, is right now the odds-on favorite to win Best Picture. So that is something you can go see if you'd like. If not, it'll be on Netflix in a couple weeks. Same thing goes for the movie Marriage Story by Noah Baumbach. Um and as far as what else is in the, the movie Harriet, which stars, it's about Harriet Tubman, is in theaters. So if you're, I mean, you, have, you have three nights off until the next next play, but they are movies to see. That's all I'm gonna. That's the last words I'm gonna say. All right,
0: thank you, thank you, Mr. Movie Phone Schwinn. What would what would you like to plug? Uh, uh,
2: not the Knicks. Um, yeah, I'll plug the Knicks today. Like uh. I don't know. I feel like I'm gonna write something about Fizzdale in the next couple of days at some point. But yeah, let's look out for it. Be on the lookout. I don't know. I've I've definitely thought about writing things before, and never done them. So who knows?
0: Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm trying to think of what I can plug. I'm gonna plug Watchmen right now. And uh if Regina King is listening to the podcast, she's more than welcome to come on and talk Nick's and talk Watchmen and talk about her career. So Regina, if you're listening, just uh send me a DM. I would uh I would greatly appreciate it. Is sure that
2: too?
0: No, she goes to Knicks games.
1: Oh, okay. So she is a Knicks fan. Okay.
0: Yeah, she's definitely listening. So she's she's more than welcome to come on anytime she wants. We will gladly bump uh Claudio for you, Regina. Especially with his uh his fast and furious
1: eight take, which is I love fast five, but As far as dumb action movies, Fast 8 is incredible.
2: Yeah, we're going to... We're not debating this anymore. Yeah, we're
1: done. Go look at the critic scores. That's all I'm going to say.
0: No, you're not getting the last word. I am. Good night, guys.